I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Right, before we start... Oh! Do you see this is not great for a podcast, Dad? Do, well, do you I, see how this is flawed? Well, I see how it's flawed unless you uh, read the label. I've just so, had well, we can do a commentary. Oh, it, so my dad painting a word to the left picture. of me has just passed me an aloe vera hand gel, anti-back. Yeah, antibacterial hand gel. I don't really like antibac because it makes your hands really dry. I feel like you need a cream afterwards. Do you have a moisturizer as well? I don't actually. Surprisingly enough, I've uh, this is. Do you think this is a nice sound to hear? It's a bit like ASMR. Well, I think... What's ASMR? What's ASMR? It's audio sensory... I don't know, something. But it's a lot... It's a big phenomenon. Um, People, it's like... It'd be like something like this. If you just quiet... Uh, I've like read, in the I've mic, or people yeah. would whisper. So we do this whole podcast. We'd be like, "So there's been a, a coronavirus worry, like that." And then it, it like harms people. People go to sleep to it and stuff. Yes, I've seen that. It's a it is a big thing on the internet at the moment. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think there's an organisation which is simply called Calm, and they've set up a thing where they want you to download the app, and it will. No, that's the sleep. meditation app. Calm. Right. That's different. This is it's it stands for auto. Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. Right. It's a tingling sensation that typically begins on the scalp and moves down the back of the neck and upper spine. A pleasant form of paresthesia. It has been compared with auditory tactile synesthesia and may overlap with frisson. 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 Mm. Good. Right. Should we start? We should probably explain why you've just handed me antibacterial gel. You've come from what was uh, coronavirus central, but isn't anymore because uh, there's been a couple of cases now there's, of uh, there was one in Where was the other one? Uh, London, I think there was one, and uh, there maybe was, one somewhere else. There By the time this goes really out, quiet, uh, which I was surprised about, because you usually would imagine it big cities. Although, actually, you could say the same about York. Really, you'd expect it to the epicentre of the... Well, yeah, the thing about York is you do have a lot of Chinese students. International uh, students, yeah. Yes, yeah. but a lot of them are Chinese. Chi- Chinese. Yeah. We do, yeah. But, but I probably know and more than in, like, most mm. universities. No, there seems to be lots in Leeds as well. We should also probably explain, just say welcome. This is Ruthie, uni dad and me, the podcast. I go to the University of York, hence the coronavirus conversation. Mm, we could say you know just to contextualize a little bit uh, do you know what your problem is ruth what you've watched too much television where they go oh actually you've only got to have an ad break for about 20 seconds i like it I, I, you forget happened. people are really stupid i need oh, that <laughs> i need people to go over what's going on i forget mm. if not uh, Ruth is my daughter. I'm just imagining that we're picking up just thousands of new listeners every week, you see? Right. Yeah. Ruth is my daughter. She's at the University of York studying French, Spanish and linguistics. And but really just French and Spanish. There has been an outbreak of coronavirus, which is... There's been two cases. Two cases. I don't think one that counts whom, as an outbreak. Yeah, but one of whom was a student at York University, or mm-hmm. is a student at York University. Was. Gone now. She's been kicked out. <laughs> I don't even know whether it was a boy or a girl, actually. No, they the, kept the details very sketchy, haven't they? Weirdly, though, we were talking about whether it was a boy or a girl, because I kept referring to it as her, um, them as she, because I don't know why. And then all the boys were referring to them as 
he and I was like oh is this just because we all imagine ourselves as the person like I thought that was really interesting it is interesting yeah like what like I in my head she was just a girl obviously mm. of course like why would she be a boy and then um all the boys were saying oh no I've always imagined them as a boy in my head but using the correct pronoun in them yes Although when you, we you're, you're imagining a girl, the boys are imagining a boy, and then there's that whole spectrum oh, in between. Well, there, there we is, go, gammony. There? Well, no, I'm not. I'm being the exact opposite of gammony. You people are being gammony, saying it's got to be a boy or a girl. I'm well, saying no, obviously it could be not, any of the 12,000 like genders. See, but now you're, you're making fun of that. That's why it's bad. You're mm. making a mockery. No, but it is interesting that you all imagine boys and girls just boys and girls. I don't think that's interesting at all. I think it's I think it's mundane. So, having survived the uh, coronavirus outbreak, mm. uh, what particularly is on your mind? What's been going on? You're you're at home this weekend because yeah. you're having you've got a reading week, haven't you? I've got a reading week coming up in the next week, but I am going to go back. I'm not spending the whole week at home because I would definitely not do anything, and I would eat all the foods that are at home. Yeah, I know. Um, you had so a two-course <laughs> breakfast this morning. First you had your eggs, then you had your cereal. Interesting order of breakfast, because normally your cereal would be your like first say, course. Just so the people who listen to podcasts don't get the wrong idea, I had one egg and a small slice of toast and a very small bowl of cereal. I didn't eat, like, <laughs> four eggs and four slices of toast and then mm. uh, two bowls of cereal, you know? I don't want to paint the wrong picture. No, but we're delighted. You, I, I'd like to see you eating, because obviously when you're... Um, and you were complaining this morning about the breakfast at the university where the toast is never warm no it's just it's just it's it's toast so the butter spreads but doesn't melt Uh, which is painful i would say yeah no i I think you're right Mm. so you're home anyway to to Uh, eat a little bit (laughs) yeah i'm home because i was absolutely starving no i'm home just to decompress a bit along with a lot of people actually and some were saying the flat is very quiet this week and a lot of people on my course have also i think gone home for the weekend and stuff um because yeah because we've got this reading week but also i think it's it's week we're going into week six i believe which is pretty much the middle of the term and so i think by this point you kind of once you have some yeah a bit toast one toast if one toast was a metaphor for the the comfort of being Mm. at home and the familiarity because you don't watch any tv at all not really uh, no uni um or you must watch stuff on netflix or a little bit but not tons yeah. I watch a bit of stuff, but really not that much. No, nowhere near as much as I did when yes. I was at home. You, but yeah, just you just been enjoying sort of decompressing a bit and yeah, being nice. But you must uh, when you're at uni, you must Netflix and chill. You taught me that. Time. Oh, dad! Oh, is that bad? Is that? <laughs> yeah. I thought that was good. I thought it just meant you had a quiet night watching <laughs> no, Netflix. That's not what that means at all. Netflix and chill means. Oh, is it a, is a, is a, is a pseudo, euphemism, like a euphemism for, for sex? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it means inviting someone around to watch Netflix with the what, uh, the intention that actually you won't be watching Netflix, and it is a disturbing thing to have your dad ask you if you do right do you know i just thought it meant netflix and chill and you did explain it to me earlier on uh in in an earlier podcast so i would recommend you go back through all the 80 odd podcasts and see if you can find the netflix and chill episode mm. because and then we'll then we'll know and you won't make the same mistake as i made asking your uh, student daughter if she's uh, netflixed and chilled uh, can you oh. use that whole Netflix and chilled, yeah, I suppose yeah. you could use it as a verb. But you wouldn't do Netflixed and chilled, you'd just do no. Netflix and chilled. Anyway, we were talking about home. <laughs> just, about home. So okay, let's television. just breeze park. on by past let's that, yeah. Park that. Yeah, so home I want to talk a little bit about, because, yeah, this is the first weekend that I've been back. This is probably the longest, actually, that I'd not... This is probably the longest I've gone without, and without having seen Mum as well, because I don't see her as regularly. It was very strange when I first arrived home and I was like, again, just it's so weird because I think so they talk a lot in, in various different films about kind of you move out of your family home and then you don't really have either home or whatever. That I mean, I'm sure that must be true and it must be really weird to um, experience that kind of just you're yet to make a home for yourself but you also really don't belong to your family home anymore whereas I think at university you do very much still belong to your family home but you also don't in a way which I think is a more I mean I've yet to experience 
feeling not that your family home is your home anymore but I think it's a really unsettling thing of being like oh neither of these places are quite home yet because university as much as I, I really enjoy it and I like my little room and I feel very safe and warm there and whatever it's not quite the same as when I lived at home full time and then coming back to home it's also again just well you've got space at home as well I mean the difference for you is you have a very small room and you're all on your own when you're at home you've got three floors and you can um, roam about freely well you can it's all (laughs) I'm not like a gazelle who needs like open spaces (laughs) no but you have that's a a crucial difference for you the interesting test will be next year when you move into a a house with Mm. um, fellow students I think a house will probably feel more like you can make a proper home there because it, it will feel less like you're on some weird kind of permanent residential thing, mm. which it kind of does feel like you're at uni. Although I will really miss living on campus, actually, because mm. it's very nice being able to roll out of bed and to your yeah. seminars and lectures and whatnot. That's, but, yeah. I think, the dream, you know, as you go through your adult life, your dream will be being that close to work. You can mm. just walk. That's why city centre flats suddenly became very popular. Yeah. Because people can get out, get out of their flats and walk, uh, walk to work. I'll still be able to walk to university, but it'll take me about 25 minutes, which is not, not a big deal really at all, but yeah. not the same as just kind of, I wake up at the moment at like half eight and I can be at my nine o'clock like very easily and that would be me getting up quite early I can get up at like 8 45 and still make it and you've obviously relished uh, being away from home you know you've taken to it like a duck to water you've loved it all the time what if you'd been uh, taken away from home at the age of eight years old do you I mean what's your view on boarding schools let me just tell you the story the first state boarding school for children as young as eight is to open in September catering for two parent working families who are fed up with trying to juggle careers and childcare. it's a place for Wyndham College in Norfolk Wyndham College Prep School in Norfolk it'll have places for 450 boys and girls from the age of 4 to 11 they can board from the age of 8 in dormitories run uh, in a homely style it says with teddy bears, tuck boxes, bedtime stories, and Mabel, a Labrador, to cuddle. So they're clearly trying to know. replicate some sort of home thing, but being away from your parents at the age of eight. I don't. If- I think eight is young. That is very, very young. Mm. And I don't know whether it would just make you incredibly like distant from your parents, which I can't imagine is a particularly good thing. But then, I really don't know. I, I mean, I know some people who started boarding when they were like 13, 14, who have met at uni and they seem to like have loved it and it's been just so much fun and they are more independent i would say than the people who have lived at home their whole lives people used to get boarded at like five years old didn't they back in the day they did as young as five and that was when um, we had an empire and there was obviously people went out you know mother and father went out to India to do some sort of government thing or whatever and you would find very young children boarding but over the years there's been so many different experiments at bringing up children and which is the best way and uh, in Israel well I was on a kibbutz years and years ago and they used to take the children away from the parents very you know once the, once the children were no longer breastfeeding mm. they would take them away from the parents and they lived in the children's house they actually lived there in a children's house that was and they may still do i don't know but that was the sort of kibbutz way and uh, it was almost it was like a socialist thing uh, mm. it was part of the philosophy well, they, i mean that, it's as ancient as in in the republic by plato which he is arguably like kind of the first what every dystopian novel is based upon he says that children should be raised in a commune without their parents mm. and that's the best way to raise children it's not a new no. it's not a new thought it's not a particularly revolutionary idea that children as young as eight should be taken away from their parents but so it, in, in the republic by plato the reason it's based when did you read the republic by the way um, just... I've, I've read quite a few extracts of it oh, when I was studying yeah. 1984 because ah, right. a lot of George Orwell's ideas for 1984 come from the Republic and also ideas from kind of The Handmaid's mm. Tale, Fahrenheit 451. Basically, all, from, yeah. all dystopian fiction right, takes right. a lot of influence from the Republic. Yeah, I was wondering about that because, you know, when, when you've been at home, I've never... I think it's a ne- bit too highbrow for me. Well, no, you've never said sort of when we're having tea or something at home, you've never said... Uh, that's it now I'm off to read Plato's Republic you're more likely to say I'm off to watch Grey's Anatomy rather than uh, Plato's Republic um, <laughs> you know just fair, the fair comment I'm just Come expelling on. air because that's how annoying you are but the reason I think so many dystopians have been based on it is because it's probably 
a kind of a dangerous way to raise children in that they all end up thinking the same but I don't know whether that's maybe a bit of a stretch at eight years old to go balding but I just think when I was eight I wasn't ready to ball no, I, I, well you weren't really ready at the age of um, 19 eight, no well 18 18 but no, but I doubt any. I, be, I mean, being ready is such a kind of ridiculous thing to say because no, I wasn't ready when I was eighteen. But or I didn't feel ready. But then you are ready because you just do it. Like I'm sure if I'd have been eight and you'd have put me in a boarding school, I would have just eventually been like, well, this is it. You know, mm. have to get on with it or whatever. Like I think the idea of the idea that you ever feel ready for anything is probably not true. It's been a bit of a, uh, a kerfuffle about the fact that... Oh, a kerfuffle. A kerfuffle, yeah. Well, is it a kerfuffle, an imbroglio, if you like, if you don't like kerfuffle, uh, about uh, a couple of new musicals that are opening in the West End, uh, one of which is based on Pretty Woman, Pretty Woman, which you'll have seen with Richard Gere and uh, Julia Roberts. Uh, are you singing the song? Is that yeah. what you're doing? What's the song from Pretty Woman? Oh, Pre- the, the, Pretty the, Woman? The Roy Orbison song, of course it is. <laughs> What's the song from Pretty Woman? Oh, Pretty woman. <laughs> yeah, the Royal Orbison. Well, I didn't know what you were doing because it seemed a different... I was uh, walking down the street. So you were doing Roy Orbison? Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. You know how much I love Roy Orbison? Don't forget my funeral. Uh, Blue Bayou. Blue Bayou, yeah, Blue Bayou. Royal I almost said Bye Bye Baby, but that's not what <laughs> That would be too obvious, really. That's what they funeral. have in um, Love Actually. Well, what's your view on prostitution? Because if you if you see uh, Pretty Woman's made into a musical, uh, also Indecent Proposal, which you haven't seen, has also been made into a musical, and they're both uh, starting at the West End, and people, women's societies, etc., are getting uh, annoyed about this because they say uh, it's it's a sort of skewed vision of prostitution, which is not all about Richard Gere and Julia Roberts. It's oh, more obviously about, not. It's more about trafficking women I from don't... Eastern Europe. Yeah. I don't know whether anyone particularly watches Pretty Woman as a gritty documentary about the horrors of prostitution and sex work, though, do they? No. Does anyone really think that? So oh, well, that's what it must be like. Well, no, of course they don't. You know, but if, I mean, if you... If I was to turn to you and use that argument against women's groups who are complaining about uh, Pretty Woman, you would tell me I'm being... I'm but not, you point not, your pen at me. You would tell me I'm not being woke. No, or, I wouldn't. I wouldn't at all. I'd say I think you've been fair so enough. You're, you're really. fine with Pretty Woman. Yeah, I mean, I understand how it's not a great feminist film, and it yeah, it, it does give a wrong representation of sex work and stuff. But um, do you enjoy the film? It's just a story, isn't it? I really enjoy the film. I think it's fun. Ah, right. But, that explains everything. But well, but it is, isn't it? I don't, I don't watch it as if it's real at all. But no. then, and at what, like, at what point do you have to draw the line of being like, this is just a story, you know? But you enjoy Pretty Woman, uh, and it's just a for what a, it is. A, yes, it's a vacuous entertainment that you enjoy. Fine, yeah, and you're happy with that. What about vacuous entertainments that we gamins enjoy? Like In what? Benny Hill used to. They used no, to I put... think anything that's that's racist. There has to be a line somewhere, you know? Who decides what's racist? Uh, Benny Hill used to do a, a, a Chinese character, so he would... Uh, but he's not Chinese. Um, uh, Benny Hill's not Chinese? God, when I saw those sketches... <laughs> ha, ha, ha. No, Benny no, Hill's but, not Chinese, why it, shouldn't he do it? Because that's for Chinese people to decide, if it makes them feel uncomfortable, if it's mm, co- like if, any, well, if they I say think... that it's like cultural appropriation or whatever... Um, then no, don't no. Do it. But the thing about Benny Hill, this is an if, old if a group, if it, a massive group of prostitutes said, "Pretty woman makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't think it's right. I think it portrays our career in a vapid way." I would say, "Okay, well, we won't put the musical on, and I won't watch the film anymore." Done. There's yes. plenty of things in the world. Why do you need to watch Benny Hill? Why do you need to watch Pretty Woman? Well, that's exactly what I said. But what I'm saying is, the finger-pointing about racism, sexism and all that uh, is just sort of selective if you enjoy something. I mean, I'm quite happy with Pretty Woman. I thought it was Codswallop, to be honest. But I'm, you know, I thought it was a rubbish film. But I'm quite happy for you to enjoy Pretty Woman. Um, what? But that's different. Enjoying Pretty Woman because it's... It's quite a, like, well, it's a little bit misogynistic and, oh, it's not great or whatever. It's different to something that is just blatantly racist. Let's not put them in the same category. I don't think it's fair. Well, yes, I would put Pretty Woman in the same category as uh, Benny Hill, comedians that people don't like from the... I mean, I'm quite happy with anybody not liking anything. Uh, Benny Hill's funny, yeah. Benny Hill's a bit of a Mm. genius. But then, like, I just don't think it would be okay for someone to do, like, blackface. 
and it for it to still be sure and like you wouldn't read like that's that's a different it's a different degree no i think the thing with blackface unless you happen to be the canadian prime minister the thing with blackface is uh, everybody's decided that blackface is wrong and i'm perfectly happy with that so that is a decision everybody's taken but nobody has sort of stepped back and taken the decision that musicals about prostitution are wrong and i just want to know why Now, in a recent podcast, uh, Ruth, I said, uh, what's on your mind? And you very kindly said nothing. Um, what's on your mind this week? This is what's on my mind. I was looking at university stories, doing my research, because I'm an excellent partner yeah, yeah. for you. Anyway, no, so what's on my mind is there's a student mental health crisis, which I don't think is, like, a new thing. It's, like, 17% of 18 to 20-year-olds say they're clinically depressed and stuff. Like, I don't think it's particularly... No, there's been lots of those stories. There's a lot of those stories. It was a story in the BBC News that says, would parents be told about student mental health crisis? So one student in particular, I assume it means. And it says, universities need to be much clearer about whether they will contact parents if students have a mental health crisis, says a social mobility charity. And I was just wondering, if I went to... So the the facility that's at the University of York is a thing called Open Door, um, which is where you can go and talk to... I don't know whether they're therapists or social workers or what their actual title is. I've never been, but... And I know a lot of people do use it, and it's an opportunity to like speak to someone about issues, like whatever you've got going on if you need to. Um, and I just wondered whether you would want to be informed that I'd gone and used the facility. Oh, definitely, definitely. Because but then do you think that students would be less likely to use it if they did go ah that's a good point so if, you know like um yeah, I know like i think saying. there's a real i think you can kind of make a par- a bit of a parallel with um sexual health facilities i think that if your parents were in- informed every time you went if you went to get the morning after pill or condoms or whatever then you just wouldn't use it difference. you know what i mean i think, I think that is a difference but is it not is it kind of the same thing with mental health services i see i was looking at it from my point of view i'd want to know your mum would want to know definitely mm. but if what you're saying is students would be inhibited at saying they've got a problem i think probably there's going to have to be some sort of decision by the people and i suspect they've made the decision well, i think about one the of the problems in- that they were saying in the story is there is no clear rule there's no rule whether it's complete confidentiality or whether they are allowed to speak to the students and they say in one of the lines in the article was that it's a lottery whether parents get to know or not and I think that's where the problem is yeah because well these people you see at open door they're not mental health professionals they're probably not clinical therapists or anything like that but they are professionals so yeah well, you, you would hope that as mental health professionals, they would they would decide if further help was needed, if proper professional therapy. I mean, they're just... It's they're a first mental call, health practitioners, they? that's what it is. Yeah. So that's a first call. They're not absolute... I mean, your parents yeah. would want to know, you know, does my uh, child need more treatment? Do I need to take the child off to, you know, to the GP and find yeah. there maybe some specialist treatment? Yeah, but then, like, I just think that if I knew that if I went, my parents would find out, I don't know how likely I would be to go. I'm very lucky in that I've never had any, like, proper mental health problems, so I've never been in the position, but I just think that, like, stuff like that maybe has to be completely confidential, but then also, is that just going to make a problem worse? I don't know. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Shall we have a bit of music, Dad? Let's have a bit of music. Uh, I've gone full-on jazz this week. Well, uh, Yes, full-on jazz. Words in it, are not. Sorry? Any words in it? No, it's... Uh, Just full-on jazz? Full-on jazz. It's, well. uh, it's Duke Ellington. That's one of the most famous jazz tunes of all time. Makes me feel like I'm in an old film. Well, it has been used in a Woody Allen film, obviously. Yeah, probably. But no, it makes me feel like I'm in... You know that bit in um, It's a Wonderful Life when she's walking down the street in that very like glamorous dress and, and she's like, oh, this is just what I wear when I don't know what to wear or whatever. It makes my, me, yeah, yeah. My, my friend Gloria Graham. I, I've told you this oh, before. Oh, you interviewed her, I yeah. interviewed Gloria Graham. Um, now, that was Take the A-Train by Duke Ennington's Orchestra, written in 1939 by a guy called Billy Strayhorn. I mean, you, you can you can enjoy your I enjoyed jazz. that, yeah. Yeah. I should listen to jazz more often for when I'm like reading or, or doing work or whatever because I always put on like either lo-fi hip-hop beats with no words or like study music or like mm. film soundtracks and stuff but so I should there's go a whole to load jazz of, a bit whole of sites that give you music just Spotify yeah. yeah if you put in like reading on Spotify it comes up with loads of playlists that are just for to read to or whatever but yeah. I should go for jazz more often yes uh, Take the A Train of course is a reference to the a subway service that runs through New York of City. Course. Yeah, going at that time from Eastern Brooklyn on the Fulton Street line, opened in 1936, up into Harlem and northern Manhattan, uh, using the 8th Avenue line in Manhattan, which was opened in 1932. Would you like to know a bit more about Duke Ellington? I mean, I'd have to know more about Duke Ellington. I feel like I know enough about the air train now. Okay, Edward Kennedy, uh, known as... Because he wasn't a real duke. In the same way oh, as Count, Count Basie wasn't a real count. And Dr Fox wasn't a real doctor. Or indeed a real fox. Edward Kennedy Ellington, I mean, he's such an iconic figure. There was a chap I used to know who used to write rugby league reports and he had to come up with another name because he was writing for The Guardian and The Observer. Um, so he had to put a different name for both papers. And so his real name was in The Observer. And in The Guardian, he called himself Edward Kennedy because he was <laughs> that, you know, Duke Ellington was such a, an icon. American composer, pianist, leader of a jazz orchestra, um, which he led from 1923 until his death over a career spanning more than six decades. And he played the Leeds Centenary Festival. This was Centenary of the City of Leeds, your favourite place in the world. My favourite place in the world? Yep, he played the Leeds Centenary Festival in 1958. What's the Centenary Festival? It was the Centenary of Leeds, you know, as a city. 1958 was the Oh my Leeds gosh, as if we've Festival. only been around for like... Well, it must be that Leeds sort of being it must have founded. been something. Well, I think it was Leeds being found, the Leeds City Council being founded right. as a city. Leeds, I mean, clearly Leeds, as yeah, a place obviously, has been around, you know, much much longer than that. The centenary was uh, Leeds Town Hall actually, which was built between 1853 and 1858. That's a good bit of knowledge, you know, Dad, it's isn't fantastic. it? Well, I love my city, uh, <laughs> which is Manchester actually. But yeah, it which was, do you prefer, Manchester or Leeds? Now, be careful here. Yes, I, I'm, actually, I love both. I'm, no, Manchester is a great city Manchester as well. Manchester is a great city. And, Manchester and or London, city. that's where I want to well, move to. What's not often known about Leeds is it's a great jazz city. Leeds is... Uh, a lot of jazz musicians played in Leeds. Really? And we've got the Leeds Music College. Very, very highly thought of. So Leeds... Interesting the way cities get an identity, because Manchester is a real choral city, you know, choral music. Chetham School, I think it's called in Manchester, where you know, they have a really famous choir and all that. But Leeds... So Manchester more vocal, Leeds more instrumental. What, what's your tune? Um, my song this week is very root one, I think. It's a song called Brazil by Declan McKenna. What 
Yeah, that is very uh, root one. It's very, that. very root one. It's um, Declan McKenna is um, a singer songwriter from Enfield mm-hmm. in Great. Who's from Enfield? Uh, Who's from Enfield? I don't know anybody particularly from Enfield. Um, Who's but it's surname no, it's is North Enfield? London now. It used to be Middlesex. Harry Enfield. Harry Enfield, yeah. Who's he? Uh, he's a uh, comedian. Ah, there we go. Um, anyway, so he's from Enfield in Greater London. He's only 21 um, yeah, he now. he looks very young on the... Uh, yeah, he is YouTube. very, very young. But he's been around... This was from his album in 2017, which would make him scarily my age so he was part of glastonbury's emerging talent competition 2015 but he's very like girls my age uh, all the ones who are into him he's very like that kind of basicness or whatever and i'd never listened to him because i thought oh declan mckenna like no obviously not but then um someone was like i'll just listen to like some of his songs from his um this album which is called what do you think about the car and i did give it give the album a listen and this is by far his most famous most popular song so um sounds like the loving loving spoonful or one of those do you remember the loving spoonful you have it on the car so do you believe in magic uh, oh, okay, yeah. No, I do sounds remember. Sounds a bit like that. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like yeah, a sort of 60s so. Californian laid-back... Uh, but um, really just, like, good tunes and stuff, and they're very nice to listen to. So I thought I'd play that this week as something quite chilled out. And it's also, interestingly, the song Brazil that I played was a protest song about the Olympics that were held there, you know, because obviously there was a lot of... There's, like, huge poverty in mm. Rio, but they still... They, like, cleared well, favelas they, they cleared and stuff. Streets, and it's, yeah. It was just really quite bad. Got a couple of emails. Uh, Nicholas Hart. Uh, what I like about Nicholas Hart is his either website or uh, Twitter handle or whatever is Nick underscore Hearty Joke. So, so <laughs> bless, him, bless him for that. He's uh, in, enjoying the podcast. He's providing a 40 something dad of teens like me uh, enough nostalgia from uh, 90s uni days, so from his own, own days at uni, uh, with a glimpse of what an empty nest is going to look like uh, all too soon. Thank you very much indeed for your. Uh, email nick neville ward says uh, thank you both for another hugely enjoyable podcast he also says i can't claim to be an expert on the harry and megan departure but it does occur to me gosh it feels like i just got that it does well of course we did a, we did miss a week we yeah missed a week but, but it does occur to me that you can't seem to comment on anything in relation to someone of a different race or religion these days without it being labeled as racism I don't think that's true. He says, it is possible to simply not agree with someone because of what they say or do uh, without it being uh, racism, says Neville Ward. It was a view that a lot of people have. I agree with that. I just don't think it's true in the Meghan and Harry debate. I went to a mixed race school in the 80s. I was friends with some of the black children in my class, but wasn't friends with some of the others. And the same can be said of the white children. Friends with some avoided others. And I certainly wouldn't consider myself racist. Do you think anybody does... You know, do you think anybody would ever consider them would say there must be a few people in the world i think there are i think barely anyone does though i think people can be pretty like even um if you watched if you've ever watched louis three's documentaries about some people um, would say i'm racist and proud of it i don't mind being racist even if you look at so so louis three's documentaries about the westboro baptist church who were the, the coined like the most hated family in america or whatever even they have all these signs that are like I mean, this is more about homosexuality because that's what they're really truly against, although I'm not sure they're a massive fan of black people either. And they have the the signs that say, like, God hates fags and all those kind of things. Even when you ask them, they're like, oh, no, no, we don't. You know, it's just God's work or whatever. Like, I think a lot of people use things as an excuse and be like, oh, I'm not racist, but... He adds on his uh, email, uh, it just seems to me that we're too quick to label comments and criticism as uh, racism. Uh, there does seem to be... I'm not a, sure how true that is, to be well, honest. See, I think there is. I think there's a lot of finger-pointing. You know, not just racism, but homophobia. And they're all... I think, I think it's Twitter, really. Maybe you just I think feel it's like Twitter there's a lot of... Finger, yeah, I think that's true. But maybe also there's something to be said of maybe you just feel there's a lot of finger-pointing because no-one used to get called out on it. Like, I don't feel like there's particularly more finger-pointing. Richard Alban writes, says, look after yourself, Ruthie. Regards, Richard. He says, um, and obviously he's referring to the uh, coronavirus. So it was actually, genuinely, I got a lot of Twitter things of people tagging me and saying, careful and stuff. Yeah. I had a, just a ton of my friends screenshot the story and just were like, whoa. <laughs> had a lot of that. <laughs> One of my friends at university, she whoa. got a message from like an old family friend. And I, I, I've I'd written down the message, but I've left it at uni. Oh, good. And um, it, basically, I can remember it. And it just said, um, Hello, full stop. 
really just thinking about you full stop remember um to take a lot of precautions full stop much love full stop or whatever just like a very a typical like 50 year old woman message and just a family friend that they hadn't heard from in, in she hadn't heard from in ages just a message of them being like i'm genuinely really worried about you which i thought was quite funny well we finally got you on my uh, radio show but i did mm-hmm. it on the day that uh, talking about coronavirus a, a wee bit but on the day that the outbreak started i got a message from uh, matt who's very much our uh, custodian of this saying if only there was a presenter on talk radio who had some contact with somebody at York University who could talk about the coronavirus and I thought if only and we nearly <laughs> got you on but not quite but we did uh, this week and I mean I was interested just while we're on the coronavirus about the uh, Chinese students or international students who might or might not mm. be Chinese who've had a bit of abuse in New York yeah well I don't know how much like wh- I mean, how many get, like actual did you events get warnings happened? from the but we did so we got yeah. we got about three or four emails as it was happening we got about two or three in the same day that was like just keeping you updated with like what was going on and stuff we had another on the 7th of february that was like oh university is opening as usual general advice was like just uh, wash your hands and stuff there was one day we woke up and there was like just tons of posters across the hall of not only the like public toilets in buildings but also the toilets the shared toilets in because i I share a bathroom so the shared bathrooms in your accommodation that had like coronavirus um help or whatever that was just basically just saying wash your hands which i thought at 19 most people kind of did but apparently not um but it's it's washing your hands all the time and washing your hands for a long time until 20 seconds which is a long time washing washing hands hands. people yeah and like washing all the backs of them and stuff that's how you meant to wash your hands but i mean when was last time anyone did that well, I'm doing it all the time because I'm contact. I have contact with you, who were in your university. So um, that's why I brought yeah, and, and then we got back stuff with me. We got an email from the vice chancellor and like UCU, which is a students' union, that basically just said um, we've had some reports from students and staff of abuse and racism linked to the current coronavirus. These instances have occurred both in person and online, and we want to condemn these actions in the strongest possible terms. Any act of abuse or inflammatory hate speech, whether it occurs on campus, online or elsewhere, will not be tolerated, blah, blah, blah. We must ensure that we continue to be a community where every member accepts their obligations and responsibilities to each each other in order to live, learn, work and research in a peaceful and supportive environment. Mm. That was the basic gist of the email. But some people were walking crossing the road. When yeah, that was that was the big stories. But I also haven't seen anything oh, do, first do happen. So I don't students, know. Are they wearing masks? A lot of a lot of the yeah, Chinese students are because they do. That's like a cultural thing because they do at home as well. You know. So yeah, I, I know there was a shop in York that like had sold out of their masks, mm. but. I really don't understand that because there's no. been so much scientific research that says like literally it does nothing. It does like nothing. it's going to get in. Well, I was in I was in so. Chinatown on Friday in Soho, mm. and there were loads and loads of people walking around wearing the masks. But the amusing uh, part of this story is that you know in restaurants mm-hmm. that I go to, I like to go to a lot of the same restaurants because I get the handshake. They know me. And they, we, we all know the story. Dad loves the handshake in the restaurant. And as we were walking out of the, uh, the Chinese restaurant that we normally go to, uh, mm-hmm. the proprietor came up and gave me a, a hearty handshake, and I, uh, I shook hands with him. And uh, my friend Paul, who I was with, I thought he shook hands with him, but I thought it was sort of like a little half, half-hearted. And when we got out, uh, Paul said to me, I thought twice about the handshakes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Which no. I know is terrible. <laughs> it's probably, probably slightly minor, you know, racist and minor sort of key. Very much um, so, I think. But, but I, I do but you think can that, understand it. Yeah. But I do think there's genuinely actually a massive problem in that when there is like an outbreak like this, um, and you can uh, liken it to the Ebola virus, which was then became like an African outbreak, you know, and it was ah, it's African people who are more likely to have that or whatever, and then this one's become like a Chinese thing. And that is completely wrong because Chinese people at the University of York are no more likely to have the coronavirus unless they've been to Wuhan, Wuhan. Wuhan in the last 14 yeah. days or whatever. But it's a bit racist you not knowing the name of Wuhan and calling it I Wu-Tan. thought it was Wu-Tan. It's, yeah, it's Wuhan. Wuhan. Yeah, yeah, but really, they're no more like to have it. And it is completely wrong. And I would have thought, mm-hmm. I, I hope that at the university especially, because that's where I am, mm-hmm. that people are a bit more 
tolerant than that. Yeah, well, Hugh Besson will be glad to have your uh, views on it all because he uh, writes regularly to the podcast and he said, I thought it'd be interesting to hear from Ruth what the management have done, said, advised or otherwise, where you've had all the emails and the posters. Uh, Is there panic in the streets? Probably no. Not really. He says, also as an empty nest to myself, one of the best things is the freedom from being taxi service chief cook and bottle washer, Martin. Have you and your wife enjoyed getting your independence back? I'm not sure, because I, you know me, I like to get in the car and you drive You like to be someone. needed, don't you? I like to be needed, I do. And I like to get in the car and uh, drive uh, drive you somewhere or pick you up. You also, like, I used to have, like, friends around quite a bit. Even if I had them around at, like, night time or whatever and we were going out, even if we were up till, like, 12 or half 12 in the kitchen, you never really minded that. I think you both quite enjoy... You're mm. both quite social, I think, which yeah, means you quite enjoy, like, when the house has yeah. got lots of people in it and whatever. And, and so. uh, I'm a performer. Obviously, and uh, I do. If I've, you if are I've that a, indeed. If I've got a joke I want to share with you, you and your friends, I will do. Which obviously, I've always just so enjoyed and never felt even mildly embarrassed. <laughs> uh, Steve Hurst uh, says regarding personal contributions to abating climate change. You know, we were saying how much can you do on a personal level. Mm. Uh, he said I already have given up the car and will not be flying to my holidays anytime soon. How do I do it? You may ask. Easy. Get yourself a part-time job at one of Britain's major supermarkets as your only source of income. Brackets, other badly paid jobs are available. Uh, Love and carbon footprints, says uh, Steve. Uh, If you do want to send us an email, by the way, we'd be uh, thrilled to get it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's martinandruthpodcast at gmail.com. So that's martinandruthpodcast at gmail.com. All one word, martinandruthpodcast at gmail.com. And if you um, also want to get a little bit more involved, you can go over to Spotify and listen to the Spotify playlist. If you search Martin and Ruth or Martin and Ruth podcast or Ruthie Uni Dad and Me or Ruthie Me and My Dad or any of the above... one more other thing that I wanted to speak about that there was a video and it says student rape reports the battle to be believed three women who reported being violently sexually assaulted by fellow students this in the UK as well um, including one woman who says she was bitten and left with bruises have told the BBC that the perpetrators got away with it a number of UK universities say they are taking action to improve safety on campus, but as reports of sexual misconduct at universities rise questions remain about how seriously the issue is being taken and I just think that is so, so, so interesting that um, reports of sexual misconduct have risen. Like, I assume that's also because women are more likely to step forward because they feel like it's less taboo with stuff like the Me Too movement and just generally as people, mm. time progresses, we get more tolerant and stuff. But I do think that's... I am surprised that there's been three instances in which universities have not believed the students mm. it always has seemed like such an in a weird way like an american thing oh that, what the students aren't believed yeah. well there have been more cases of it in america but i, I just thought i think I you're, I think you're wrong in saying that you know we there is this sort of perception that as we become more advanced as a species if you like um yeah. that these sort of things are going to happen less i think because of the internet they're happening more i interviewed on talk radio uh, a woman from a, a campaign group called we can't consent to this and she told me about some of the stuff that was being widely viewed Mm. by uh, male students on the internet mm. uh, porn which no i mean i thought to get some of the sort of porn that she was telling me, i won't go into all of it but some of the porn that she was telling me about yeah don't go I into thought, all of it because that truly would scar me i think yeah but, but she told me that some of the porn that i would think as a parent was only available on the dark web that you'd have to really 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 search for it mm. and she was telling me some of the things that are on sites such as pinterest uh, instagram uh, Tumblr, all those sort of things, mm. and these were acts such as uh, choke acts that would invent uh, that could lead to strangulation. And she says that it's called "We Can't Consent to This." So obviously they're campaigning to try and let 
women like yourself know that you don't have to consent to these acts. More and more students... When I, when well, I was, I when like I was how... a student, right, mm. uh, I only knew what I'd seen in mainstream movies or whatever. Yeah. So uh, there was no way I was going to look on things like strangulation as, as part of a normal sex act. There's been tons of studies so that would make it what... worse rather than better. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I think, yeah, I think you're right, actually. I think I overlooked that. But, like, there's been tons of studies done into, like, what porn does to young um, males in terms of, like, just they don't view sex healthily anymore because it's, like, mm. so out of... I don't want to say out of this world because that's, like, the wrong terms, but it's very, like, controversial type of things or whatever. And um, I think it's part of the thing is that, like, women aren't involved in the making of porn whatsoever, really. It's, it's all made for men, by men, pretty mm. much exclusively. Yeah, there, apart is, from there, the, are there are some feminist websites. Like Emma Watson spoke about one like, famously in the news that was like quite a big thing and stuff. But generally, they aren't. There was um, a study, not a study. So you know how Spotify does like a year roundup of um, your most listened to songs and the most listened to ones on Valentine's Day, most listened to song. Um, across the year must listen to album all those kind of things at the end of the year so Pornhub which is I assume the most famous website Mm, I guess um, did a similar thing where they you know ranked videos and stuff and it was actually quite interesting how a whole host of the videos were these things that I would be like whoa (laughs) that's like mental like far past like the 50 shades of grey which is this very consumer but even if you're saying you're saying whoa you know when you see these things Mm. uh, you know do you feel that within a relationship do you feel that you have control of what you consent to or you know and you can say no well I would like to hope so but then I think you can say that as much as you want but if you got into the position where you were very vulnerable with someone or someone was very manipulative then I think it is more difficult to say no ever but then it's also like do you remember the story of the girl who was backpacking in Australia I want to say um, who was killed she was part of like a website that was like a BDSM website or whatever Mm. I would still say that is not at all her fault obviously like I think that women can be into those kind of things just as much as men can but I think the, 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 like, yeah, this group, this campaign group that yeah. I spoke to, they're campaigning uh, against it being used in court. So it, it's quite obvious that uh, some women may easily yeah, have the... that's what they, they yeah, used as the, her def- the defence was... That she wants it ruled, you know, that we can't consent to this, wants it ruled out as a defence in court, basically, mm. saying I know, agree a with sex that, game that went wrong. That, you know, she said yeah. it's not a sex game that went wrong, it's oh, there's murder a, there's a different. There's a different thing, like, there was loads of stories when that girl was killed and it was like such a tragedy or whatever that were about like that's it's not the same thing like you have to really really strangle someone for them to die of asphyxiation asphyxiation like that's not a mistake you know that is with intent and I think the the whole a lot of the dialogue surrounding it needed to say that more clearly and stuff. But it's not just one... You know, you're oh, no, it's not one just case. one girl. I'm just you're using that case, case as an example. What I worry about as a parent, and I think what most parents will worry about, is that this sort of um, sexual behaviour is, and especially if you've got daughters, this sort of sexual behaviour is normalised. And the problem is if it's on Instagram and Tumblr and all these other things, it is normalised. Mm, yeah. I think it's normalised for men, but not for women as well, which is the scary thing. That is a scary thing. Because, like, if you have such different opinions or views of what's normal and not, like, that is scary. And it's scary to think that you could be... Because I can imagine, like, being in the position of kind of really sort of liking someone or whatever and kind of wanting to... Oh, and also wanting to seem like I think there's a real pressure on women, which is wanting comes, to seem like cool. Yeah, cool. I think there's a real like pressure. You're not like you're not bothered. Like oh, you're yeah. casual. You're you're fun. Whatever. Because I think there is a real pressure of like women as we've become more in inverted commas liberated or whatever in in, in films and stuff you want to seem like the cool girl who is up for anything and is just there to have fun or whatever like that and it's I think that's not always like a good thing I think that is what would stop a girl from saying like oh no I actually don't want to do that part of being liberated is the ability to say no I actually want to be in a relationship or no I want to to be celibate or something like that I think that's part of it but you see um the idea of being free of the girls burning their bras as these women who are happy to do anything which I think is wrong mm, burning the bras that's a bit of a 70s reference well yeah but you know that's where it started didn't it the 70s 
They never actually burned their brows, though, did they? It's all a big. Uh, uh, yeah, I think there was. I thought I thought they didn't actually burn them. I thought there's a whole story about how they tried to burn them and then they couldn't get them to burn or they something like burn. that. No, it is always difficult to get a bra to burn, <laughs> uh, and it's always you know just as a warning, it's best to take it off first. Oh, Dad. Dad, Ruth, do you have anything uh, amusing to tell me from the world of the University of York? Yes, of course I do. So this is a your fashion, which I thought was quite funny. Right, we um, want to say your fashion is a sort of confessions site for York University. Yeah. What classifies as basic French? I sent a job application, I know basic French, and I know Bonchard. Is this basic or too basic? There was a lot of coronavirus university, your fashions that were none of them were funny. Mm. Um, oh, were there? It's coronavirus. So that's a subject for humour within your university. Oh, absolutely, oh, yeah. Oh, great. Tell us one of the unfunny Oh, OK. Let me just ones. find one then. Yeah, have aches and pains and a sore throat. Do I have coronavirus or am I overreacting? Top tip for all of you who are scared about getting the coronavirus, are you sick? Just say no. Coronavirus can't enter your body without consent. So this is one that someone um, posted as a bit of like a little meme on your fess about coronavirus. Uh, there was a lot of coronavirus related posts, but I think this one is probably the funniest. And then they just put, top tip for all of you who are scared about getting the coronavirus, are you sick? Just say, no. Coronavirus can't enter your body without your consent. Excellent. So that is... Um, and then I've also got a kind of coronavirus-based your crush. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. We're so topical. Um, so they said, LR... Stop setting posters on fire, referring to, I assume, the coronavirus posters, because I can't think what other right. ones. This is in one of the blocks at a certain college at the uni, which is kind of known for a lot of, like, antics going on there and everything. So they said, Ella, stop setting posters on fire and come set my loins on fire instead. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Uh, and a meme at all? Or yes. Yes, all memes. I've got a meme as well. My two-month-old. I can't sleep, Dad. I'm afraid of Frankenstein. Me. Haha. Don't you mean Frankenstein's monster? My three-month-old. I do not. Personally, I find unethical and irresponsible scientific practice far more terrifying than any physical being, and so should you. Excellent. Thank you very much indeed, Ruth. Uh, so we'll uh, hopefully be back next week with another one. If you want to get in touch with us, it's martinandruthpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, that's martinandruthpodcast at gmail.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.